Hey, welcome to episode number 101 of the Bumper Seeker Faith podcast. My name is Sam Key, and today's guest, who we'll get to in a moment, is Dr. Gordon Marino. And it was a joy for me to interview him. We had some technical difficulties at the uh, getting everything set up, so we had to switch some things around. So you'll you'll notice that in the uh, audio and the video, and it's a somewhat shorter of a conversation, but uh, I still think you'll really enjoy it, and you'll really enjoy getting to know uh, Dr. Marino a little more. Let me introduce him, though, to you. Um, he uh, has a PhD from University of Chicago in philosophy, I believe. He has an MA from um, University of Pennsylvania, another Ivy League school, and a BA from Columbia University. His areas of specialization include the history of philosophy, philosophy of religion, and Soren Kierkegaard and the existentialists. And he was the curator of the... Um, of the Hong um, Kierkegaard Library, the Kierkegaard Library at St. Olaf's um, College. He did that, I think, for like 27 years. So truly an amazing um, scholar, right? Um, His book that we're going to talk about is The Existentialist Survival Guide, How to Live Authentically in an Inauthentic Age. And he's also authored and co-authored other books, including Kierkegaard in the Present Age, and his articles have been published in major, um, major papers and magazines, the Atlantic Monthly, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the American Poetry Review. And in the show notes, I'm including a couple of articles for you guys to uh, read free, you know, online as well. But I highly recommend his book, The Existentialist Survival Guide. So just entering into this conversation, I was going to, you know, approach it like um, I maybe usually do and and have him work through, you know, the book and talk about its ideas and that. But right away, we just kind of, I don't know, clicked in conversation and our talk and, and the conversation just kind of went all over the place. And what you'll find, though, is, is here's this guy who went to these Ivy League schools, he has a PhD, very accomplished in that, but he's just a guy. He's just a, he's a real guy. And to me, it's like he's living out with the, what, what Kierkegaard would say, truly living out and being yourself is about not putting on any pretenses or pretending that you're somebody else or being superficial, you know, no, no BS faith, no bumper sticker faith. Uh, so he was just real in this conversation and shared struggles that he has. And we just had a, a great conversation. So uh, I would encourage you uh, to listen and um, pray for him and the things that he's mentioned in the podcast that he's going through. And that would be a huge uh, support of encouragement uh, to Dr. Marino. So hopefully I'll be able to have him on uh, again sometime. Uh, but I hope you enjoy this conversation. So you you grew up uh, in Jersey, Tom Tom's River area, and uh, or in Tom's River. Uh, what was life like for you growing up? Uh, it was pretty. It was a uh, pretty difficult. My parents didn't get along too well, so there were uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night fights. And uh, I had moved there from North Jersey, which was quite different. Yeah. And it was a. Uh, that's that's where I started getting into uh, quite a bit of trouble because the whole 
a lot of the people that, that lived in South Jersey there were kind of refugees from North Jersey, just trying to get away from it. And uh, a whole different environment than it was in North Jersey. Yeah. There was a, but being on the water, I, we lived up near the, on the water and uh, I was always on, out there as, every day, you know, it just meant so much to me. And I never thought I'd be away from it. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> how did, how did you um, find boxing? Or how did boxing find you? Uh, I think because um, I think the violence in the family, uh, mm. just constant, constant, a great deal of violence. And um, my grandfather was a boxing instructor. He was a badass. And uh, he would pull me aside and uh, teach me some stuff. And I got pretty obsessed with it. And uh, But my father, because of my Italian background, he was really, you know, I was a football player, baseball player too. And uh mm-hmm. He, he uh, because of the connections with the mob and everything, he was, uh, and maybe I think his antipathy towards my grandfather, uh, he was really against the, the boxing, so it took a, took a lot. But I would hitchhike into, my mother, my mother understood it. Mm. Uh, she called the gym in Philadelphia. Oh, did she? Wow. I'd hitchhike all the way into Philadelphia sometime for the box. So at 15, wow. she was not a, she was not overly protective. Did your um, older brother get into boxing? No, my older brother was a, a big football star and everything. Okay. And, uh, uh, he he never got into it. Nobody else in the family. And then, so I, I trained my, I trained one of my kids. He was an amateur boxer. Okay. And I was a been training fighters for thirty years. So what's you have a Mike Tyson connection, if I recall? Yeah, Mike Mike wrote to me the other day. Okay. Yeah. How's he I'm doing? Stay in touch with him. <laughs> he's doing great. I mean, in terms of uh, he's really a. Uh, Reminds me a little bit of George Foreman in the sense mm. of uh, he's one of the few people that have learned from experience. Wow. I mean, George George changed a lot. And uh, so I, I knew Mike from, uh, I went to Hawaii with him when he was training for Lennox Lewis. And uh, we got to be pretty, uh, he's a brother, man. Well, I'll tell you, you want a funny story though? Yeah. It's not so funny actually. Yeah. Um, so a few years ago, he was asked what his favorite book was. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, a quotable Kierkegaard to the <laughs> Wall Street Journal. Yeah, and wow. so uh, that was like really cool for a day, right? Wow! But then it was like the top story for like four or five days, and I said, "Oh, here's more racism. Here's the racism oh. again," which I saw a lot with him. It was a really being close to him was a a real window into race. Mm. You know, okay. when I uh, when I interviewed him the first time for the New York Times magazine, uh, all these reporters came in, and Mike had a bunch of books next to him, and they said, "You read those." <laughs> mm. My God, you know, I, I can't repeat what Mike said. Yeah, yeah. it was. He always could could take things like Kierkegaard to another level. Yeah, <laughs> he did that day, and so we got to do. But, but uh, one of the funny things there was like uh, it was the first time I'd ever done a big an, an interview really like that. And uh, so later on, he calls me up at the hotel and says, "Because uh, he he has these things with pigeons, right?" And he asked me to come down to his his uh, his uh, condo and. Um, uh, uh, translate some stuff from Danish, hmm. and uh, wow. I came down there, and then I said, "He said, you, you want to you want to do an interview?" I said, "Nah, you look tired, man. Get some get some rest." This is something I would never have done if I was more experienced. Yeah. But I think that wow. that was probably good for our relationship. What What is it about uh, boxers? Because I heard you say, or maybe in your writings, there's something about boxers that maybe they have a rougher start but eventually they grow into themselves 
or they they own themselves, they're able to show up more. I grew up wrestling. That was my uh, that's different. Yeah, right. Yeah, and right. as as a wrestler, you know, from a child to to college, uh, we always said that there was only one harder sport than wrestling, and that was boxing. Right, right. But I, I kind yeah. of feel similarly about wrestling as. Boxing, oh yeah, but- I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. Oh, you're right. I'm, I wrestled in high school, and I'm so and I know it. And, um, people feel it. They seem to get the red badge of courage if they stick with it long enough and mm-hmm. feel it more at home in their own skin. You know, they're very, very good like that. You know, a lot of it's kind of that kind of experience where you know they feel. For, for, and I, I, I actually try to write about this a little bit, like why it's why the the fighting is so important is the sense of identity for men, mm. you know, and uh, uh, it's really, uh, I mean, it goes into politics. I'm a fighter, right? you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? It's the endless who can cook whose ass it's, you know, uh, whereas with women I've trained, it's more, uh, I have trained some women who had a taste for violence, but it was never, it was always more liberating mm-hmm. to be able to express their aggressions than it was, um, because it's not well, as nat- it's not as natural for them. Well, maybe also, but it's all they don't, their identity is not. Oh. They don't identify. That's not such a like. When I was the head okay. coach at VMI. I, I had guys. I had two guys going to the SEALs mm-hmm. and special forces, and they were more. It's like they were more afraid of, uh, you know, fight night than they were. So you fucking you guys are jumping behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But their ego wasn't. They're they're all their at the bounce. All their crew was there, and they were more nervous about that than jumping behind the lines. Wow. Yeah. So how'd you how'd um you get to philosophy and then to existentialism? Because um, yeah, you know it it the dots don't appear appear to connect as <laughs> much, but but maybe they do from uh, kind of tough family life to boxing. But then to exis- to philosophy, then existentialism and Kierkegaard. Well, specifically. well, two two things here, Sam. Uh, for 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 one, um, when you grow up in a household with that much strife, you're always thinking who's right, who's wrong, what's mm-hmm. going on. You try, so it really encourages a kind of self reflection and uh, a reflection on morals and stuff. But but also, uh, philosophy is a violent sport, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the big thing is. Uh, when I was in grad school was, uh, you know, somebody works on a paper for six months and you ask them a question that knocks them on their butt. And uh, that's all right. It was very combative. I can go back to Socrates, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when he would, he would, uh, when he'd come out and debate with uh, uh, somebody, there'd be a huge crowd there. And it, so it's, it, it's, a, it's a contest, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, uh, as I, I've written before, I'd, Rather get punched in the nose than be made to look like a fool, which is what's at stake in philosophy. I've seen. It, it seems like we're uh, kind of wary of that culturally, kind of wary of con- confronting and you know verbally yeah. punching each other these days. Like you know the safe places in schools and that. And um, how do we lose that? I wonder. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Good question. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. So your um, your your book, an existentialist um, survival guide, how to live authentically in an inauthentic age. I love that book, and I'm gonna. Oh, thanks. I, I, I yeah, I'm gonna rec- be recommending it to people. But 
the ex um, the existential survival guide, how to live authentically in an authentic age. Uh, this week I read it two and a half times, uh, <laughs> oh, thanks, and man. I just kept yeah kept getting um, kept getting new things out of it. Um, I love the way you you write, and I know people have said this before, probably about your your writing style, um, but you you let me let me think. You don't just write as a an expert on um, these subjects, but I believe you write as an existentialist about this stuff. So, like the actual writing itself is that of a a person who's an, who's an existentialist, basically. <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah, not just yeah. you're documenting, you know, no, what, what went on. But if you if you read it, like the way you inject yourself into the story and make yourself vulnerable. It's like you, you, you put yourself out there with these examples, these very real, you know, often it could be humiliating examples, but you're not just doing it uh, just to do it, but you're actually doing it as I guess an existentialist would do it being vulnerable, being real, saying things that nobody would say in books. <laughs> like, Oh, you should have seen the thing like, that, uh, that, that they, an editor. That's right. He, they probably cut, edited. It. Yeah, I said. He said, "No, no, Dad, don't put that one on there." <laughs> I mean, you know? even even. Shut I, up, baby. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Hey, shut up. It's not that the um, that Sam that comes a lot from Kierkegaard because one of the things I one of the problems with philosophies they don't they don't they never talk about learn about style, you know about the it's just unimportant. Mm -hmm. It's just um, learn to write like a lawyer. But from Kierkegaard, I got the. Kierkegaard hardly ever states an abstract point without giving you an example mm -hmm. from fairy tales or whatever. So I think if you can't provide a, a lively example of what you're talking about, there's something wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's great. Uh, so and, and, uh, so that, that's that's one of the reasons I really uh, tried to provide examples of what I was talking about. And again, about. that's the whole point. Like in a microcosm to me and for readers, like that's the whole point. Like, that's a point of existentialism, right? Because existentialism is saying, here's the truth, and then this is this is how it's real for me. You know, here's how I live it out. Yeah, it's a first-person philosophy. It's a, the first-person account is really important in existentialism. That's what I, it should be. That's what I've been like. Even this podcast I started is called Bumper Sticker Faith because yeah, it's a great, a great name. You know, I like it. It's or, great. or BS Faith um, because. Uh, I was a pastor. I'm not anymore, but I had major failure in my life that I've owned, and uh, I no longer want to have bumper sticker faith, just superficial faith. I was in uh, therapy for years, still am, and one of the one of the therapists said to me at some point, they said because I I was like saying all the right things that I yeah. you know the right either doctrinally or just morally the right things you should say and finally one of them said would you stop giving bumper sticker answers <laughs> and I was like what, that was good like, like what do you mean you know and I had to think about that but they're, they're saying you're just saying what we want to hear what you think we yeah. want to hear yeah. what you think God wants to hear what even you want to hear that's all you're, right. you're not saying you're not being real right yeah, and yeah, so that was a great intervention. It, it, it sure was, and that I really like over the years too. Went to uh, in the Gospels in John one fourteen, the Word, the Logos becomes flesh, 
in, right. in my life. And to me, that's existentialism too. Like you have the word, but you have it in flesh, you know, embodied. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, that's what you mean. Yeah. But that's what your yeah. writing does too. You, you give these points, not like a lawyer, like you said, but you, you'll go to a point, but then you'll enflesh it out. It's not just an illustration, but it's the embodiment of the point you're trying to make. Right. Which and, is and beautiful. I try not to, and I try not to water down the, it's not like I don't think there's some uh, important theoretical point there. I try to make that clear as well, but uh, I do think these examples are pretty <laughs> significant. I love your therapy. You know, I, I don't know whether you ever read, a, I wrote a piece in the New York Times called The, the Long Conversation. I heard about it. I have not read it. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been in. Talk about was, that, though. Uh, I was, uh, uh, when I was 19 and in a lot of trouble, and uh, I was uh, I went to therapy with someone I'm still talking with. We're more, much more friends, but we talk wow. every day. Seven, wow. I don't know, about 60 years. And, uh, wow. So that's one, one of the things. Uh, that's a long conversation. That's a long, yeah, yeah. beautiful, yeah. And, yeah. and it, uh, it was really pretty amazing. It's, it's called The Long Conversation. And uh, it was one of the most gratifying things that I was able to, Ever, ever able to write because the New York Times allowed me to use her name, and uh, I wanted to say thank you mm -hmm. because she treated me for free. I never had any money, and um, uh, and also the emphasis on relationships. That uh, today the, psych the psychiatry is so it's in such a, a moribund state that mm -hmm. uh, it's unbelievable. And uh, I really think so much healing takes place through relationships. Mm. Yeah, Hold hands together, you know. Yeah, like even as I've um, tr like sought out a therapy for myself or for family members, they're impossible to pay for. Oh, no know? kidding! And like, four, my friend, my friend pays. He's wealthy. Four seventy-five a session. Jeez, <laughs> who can Out do that? Who can do that? If, 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 if you want, yeah. If you want a quality wealthy. person, you know, if you want a right. quality therapist. Someone with was experienced for yeah. for a long time, and then also yeah. like I've heard so many like as you I, even the the recent shooting in in Maine that happened, I read a little bit about the guy who and it said that well you know the the army or who, whatever did treat him for three weeks and you know I'm thinking <laughs> three weeks I'm like no kidding. but but that's like the. That that's what people think they can go. They think they they can go for a couple sessions for three weeks or even uh, a year, and that's all they need. That's not it. That's not the sixty year long conversation. You know this obsession with right? it. Well, get professional help. Get professional help. Well, but professional help's not. It's it's not. It's so superficial. And uh, uh, I mean, um, not only that, a lot of the therapists with experience and stuff like that won't deal with insurance companies. Yeah. Mm. So you end up. Uh, you end up dealing with psychiatric nurses and things like that who write prescriptions for you. You talk to you once a month for 20 minutes. So this obsession with get professional help and then there's really not much out there unless you're wealthy, you know, and it's, it's not fair. So I want to get into the self because you talk about that in the, in the book. Kierkegaard talks about that. The existentialists do. Uh, but like, what is it? What is the self? How do you become a real self and then maybe tied to that what's what i think you brought up like the third self what, what's that so so what's the self uh, the idea of self well i i think i um, drew a distinction between uh, a view of the self as something um you're born with which Kierkegaard would say right mm -hmm. and then you need to become and it's a constant process it's not like you find yourself and that's it versus the idea that the kind of postmodern. You know, 
the notion that the self is a creation, you know, Rousseau types idea that, uh, or, or Nietzsche, that it's just like an artistic creation. And uh, there's a leap of faith there. I mean, in terms of like, uh, uh, how do you decide between those two things? Meantime, the clock's ticking, you know, and so, uh, uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm aligned with Kierkegaard on that, that it's a, it is a process and, uh, you know, um, uh, that, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have much more to say about that. I don't, um, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I've been going through a terrible crisis in my life with my wife, mm-hmm. Parkinson's, we've hit the emergency we've hit that critical place where she had to go in the hospital and I'll rehab. We have to move out of our house in 10 days into wow. assisted living and, uh, made me reflect a lot about, um, what kind of life I've led, uh, how to be kind, you know, can you be kind when this stuff is going on? And, uh, so, uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, kind of moral ambitions for the self, which I, are hard to live up mm-hmm. to when, uh, things fall apart. And it's like this, Horrible world lives right next. This is something Kierkegaard was very clear about. You look out the window and uh, you can see that right next door is, well, you know, you're uh, in a wheelchair and rolling down the hall in some rehab center getting pills popped in your mouth after. So uh, kind of a scary thing and hard hard to, uh, one of thing that's been difficult is being around someone who's sick makes you makes you angry, irritated, sad. Not a, not a nice bunch of emotions, you know. And uh, so I guess in terms of the self, would be it's always been important to me. Uh, through uh, can you reach through the sadness? Can you eat the sadness? Uh, it's like boxing. It's like can you take that punch? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I haven't felt I, felt I haven't lived up to that. You know, I haven't been able to do it. It's more mm-hmm. more than I more than I more than I. More than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, you know, I mean, I went through cancer with her brain tumor. They were nothing compared to this. Wow. You know, you know. So, uh, so I, I connect a lot of myself with moral, spiritual aspirations. I have this quote from uh, Carl Jung. I want to run by you about Carl Jung said said this. He said, "Quote: God is the name by which I designate all things which cross my path." violently and recklessly, all things which alter my plans and intentions and change the course of my life for better or for worse. Wow. Yeah. So where's, he, that from, where's that from, Sam? I don't know which... I don't know which Could you send me that quote? That's a, I, I can, yeah. but that's like young... What he, when he thinks yeah. of God, God is the name by which yeah. I designate all things that cross my path violently and recklessly. That's um, something, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Like when... When God shows up in your life, it's <laughs> it's not always easy, <laughs> you know. He yeah. he has um, different ways of many ways of refocusing, of getting our attention. Of um, I, I go back to the uh, you you write about your discovery of Kierkegaard in that in that bookstore where where yeah. you where you stole his book of uh, the the love. shoplifter the shoplifter yeah what well, the book <laughs> on love was oh works of, works of love works of love called? yeah. That was a book that meant a lot to me too, uh, and I ran across and I remember reading it. And there's a quote from him where he says, "What love is," and he says, "When 
when I love you the most, I help you put God first. When you love me the most, you help me prioritize God. And then when God loves me the most, God helps me to put him first. So it's like that fits with the young quote for me too. It's like, for God truly to love me, sometimes he has to mess up my path to help me to uh, refocus my life, reorient towards the highest, you know, the best, the best things. And I would, I would say to faith or to God. Well, uh, I find that, I find that what you're saying helpful. It helps me a little bit. Maybe you're right. Maybe I had to think along those lines a little bit more. Yeah. But it's also frustrating when you pray to God for kindness or patience yeah. and, and you go freaking nuts. You know what I mean? That yeah. uh, it's, that's also very, you feel like nobody's, nobody's there or, or you're not here and, but but you're right, Sam. That's a, that's that's a really that's helpful to me. Yeah. Especially when you're too, when you're dealing with, I mean, I can't imagine dealing with, with your, with a wife who's been sick for so many years and a neuroscientist watching her fall apart, wow. watching it. It's uh, a strife. It causes strife in the family. Kids have a different idea about how mom should be taken care of, and mm-hmm. even though they're not there all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. But but uh, it's we're, you don't get you, there's no. You, you don't get out of this place even without the fifth act, you know. Yeah. And the fifth act is always is usually bloody, mm-hmm. you know. So, in some way we should be prepared for it, I guess. I mean, like, so, but I'm kind of, I mean, this is selfish, but I was like, you know, I just I retired to take up to care of her and stuff, and I was just seventy, and I was planning on teaching. I mean, I love teaching. Teaching's been mm-hmm. been such a gift, and um, I was kind of pissed that I. Can you give us a can you give us a few years of like Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of and resentment against people and the envy of people who are healthy and don't have to worry about doesn't you know, so but that's a, that's a you should stay pastor. That was good. <laughs> was, yeah. Yeah, you're right. How are, uh, like how do how do you deal with those emotions and that the envy or regrets? Yeah. How like how do you how are you? By torturing myself. Yeah. By torturing myself, How? drinking too much beer. Yeah. So trying to, yeah, yeah. And I've gotten into, and, and then, you know, the iatrogenic uh, caused uh, chemical dependencies on certain, on, on, uh, on medications. Because um, uh, that's, you know, it just uh, very hard to calm down with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, every day it's another. I mean, literally every day it's another crisis. Well, the insurance, like, yeah, yeah. Understand. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, she called me this morning and told she's in a rehab place, which her insurance has run out, and you would not believe what. Wow. That and uh, just terrible treatment, and uh, you know, it's just um. So I, I haven't been dealing with it as well as I wish I could, you know. Mm. Oh, uh, 
in Minnesota, <laughs> and especially among my kids, you got to stay positive. It's all it's, it's going to get better. It's like get fuck that fuck out of here. Minnesota, nice, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. They just they don't they don't have a high tolerance for uh, re- a lot of denial. You know, it's like yeah. you know, there's not a lot of room for sadness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For despair, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And I think that's yeah. so important. Yep. To be able to hold each other and uh, yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, absolutely, just, like, very, yeah. Absolutely. And what kind of what kind of together? I mean, Technot Hana has uh, a line that I think he used in that book about life is a matter of like walk walking together, holding hands. How can you hold hands with someone when you can't cry? When you can't, you can't tell them how bad you feel. I mean, mm-hmm. I, mean I just I just I start. You know, my my brother was my hero. He died a year ago too, and mm-hmm. uh. I can't talk about it without we're just fucking weeping. Yeah, like, yeah. Cr- excuse the cursing. Yes. It's okay. <laughs> but, but without, we- I mean, just bursting out weeping. You know? Yeah. So, in, in you know, like you're you're <laughs> playing my heartstrings too because in uh, you know I'm coming from a church standpoint where, but I know it's I know it's everywhere. I think the church is just a good microcosm of it too, but people aren't real about their feelings and their emotions and they no. put on these faces, this niceness and, and and nice, if you know, comes from the Latin Nasiri, which means to deceive or to hide. Oh, is that right? Yes, absolutely. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Yeah, are you sure? Yeah, and N I C E R E to deceive no or to hide. So when you're wow. when you're nice, it's I mean, I mean, we did an episode about this you know, a year or so ago, but yeah, when you're when you're nice, you're 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 not being real. You're you're hiding what well, you're really you going through. Well, don't you think also same as people have a hard time dealing with the awkwardness of it? They don't know what yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, so uh, yeah, that that was actually something I I used to stress in my existentialism classes how important it was to be able to tolerate awkwardness. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, but I think just people are. Afraid the uh, the silence that we don't mm-hmm. know what to say. Don't know. Instead of just put your arm around the person. Yeah. Out, you know. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I mean. You know. You know there's so a I, I, there's a story in John's Gospel when uh, Lazarus died that yeah um, really exemplifies this uh, for me. So uh, Jesus' friend, his good friend, has yeah. um, um, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. But Lazarus dies, and. Um, it says that Jesus stayed like a couple more days at the place, kind of like making sure that he would die. I know. <laughs> you know? Don't you get the sense and, that he was he was he wasn't sure Lazarus was coming out? I love that. That passage is so powerful. So then he he goes there though, and he sees I don't know if he sees Mary or Martha first, but one of them comes out and says, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not mm-hmm. have died." All right, and then so she's like she's accuses him like she's she's angry she's hot yeah yeah and then yeah. And then the other one comes out and says the same thing and and the thing that has stood out to me recently about Jesus' reactions is he carries their emotions and he lets their emotions affect him right he knew that he was going to resurrect him from the dead like he knew i don't think he was that confident Sam. I, i'm not sure either you think so either way though it says he was playing. He was either either playing. way, it says that he wept, right? And either no, way, yeah. he, he didn't defend himself either. Like when right. they're hurling these accusations at him, he doesn't say, "Well, you don't understand," or "I'm, yeah, I'm, right. I'm going to do true. something in a couple of minutes," or you know, just give me yeah. some time. You know, he doesn't defend himself. He just lets their. I picture like a weightlifter, right? Someone when you're in a relationship with someone else, 
they're like handing you like 500 pounds of emotion. And it's like, normally it's like with my wife or kids, it's like, I can't lift that right now. And we, we shirk it. We make excuses. We say, Oh, I'll get the, I'll make it better, whatever. But Jesus just takes the 500 pound emotion, holds it. And he, he, and, and he weeps. Does he, does he say anything? Like he doesn't say dead? anything. Doesn't say doesn't anything. Say anything huh? No, doesn't say yeah. anything. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, he, he doesn't. But, he, but he, he, he lets emotions hit hit him. He he deals also, with the awkwardness too, right? I mean, when he's when he's anxious about yeah, when he's, when he's scared yeah, you know, and everybody's yeah. just, and they're all sleep, they're all snoring over there snoring. Oh, he's free, he's yeah. he's upset. Yeah, that's really so. Man, that passage is that passage is amazing, man. You say too. Uh, you write too. Uh, there was a line in your book about faith, and you and the question is: Can apart from faith, can you really know yourself? And I don't yeah. know if you made it as a statement or just asked, you know, a rhetorical question. But but can you really know yourself apart from apart yeah? From well, faith? That's that was more commentary. Both Kierkegaard and Dostoevsky uh, believed you couldn't. There was no self transparency without faith that you really couldn't understand yourself you know um so that it was more a, a commentary on, on their views I, I don't know i don't know myself but that was just trying to state what kierkegaard said yeah and dostoevsky no transparency without faith which is a uh, hard to grasp well what do you think can you i don't i don't know because i mean uh, my reading my reading of kierkegaard is uh Faith is this process of trying to trust in someone mm-hmm. like personal relationships, so it's an ongoing activity. Mm-hmm. More like trusting in a person. The, the word in Danish, trust, is uh, than, than it is, uh, oh, I've got faith now. Blah, 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 you know? Yeah. So uh, it feels to me like it comes and goes. Uh, um, but to know, your, to know yourself without faith is, well, the, the ability, like, to to know yourself and I mean to know to know you're a sinner and accept forgiveness right I mean yeah. accept yeah uh, that not to talk, not let the wolves out in your mind mm-hmm. right and, which is something I've been struggling with a lot mm-hmm. you know regrets and all this stuff and um so the idea would be to uh, recognize your mm-hmm. selfishness and not uh, torture yourself with it mm-hmm. accept that God loves you and uh, I mean, one of one of the maniac Dostoevsky's great points that I try to bring forth in that book is, you know, we don't uh, how hard it is to accept love, mm-hmm. right? To uh, uh, yeah. uh, we want to we want to be loved for being cool or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Or my latest book or yeah. whatever. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And we don't want to be. If you read the, the one of the greatest passages, I maybe maybe read this one, but I mean, one of Notes of Underground one, when the woman comes to see him and. She sees he. Did you, did you, did you remember that passage? Yeah, and he has Why? his face buried in the dirty <laughs> pillow. Oh, isn't that great, yeah. man? A stinky pillow. Yeah. And he says, "You got to get up sometime." Yeah. And he gets up, and uh, so the ability to accept accept love, mm-hmm. as opposed to we always think of it in terms of getting getting love, but being accept, accepting love for who mm-hmm. from, from people who know who you really are. Yeah, I was thinking think, about as you were speaking the the. the the, the thief on the cross uh, in Luke 23, where 
um, you, you have one thief kind of railing against Jesus, and yeah. and then the other thief says, and this is like to me like this beautiful moment of of faith. Where the other thief says, "Don't you know that we are getting what our sins deserve?" But, huh. but this man has done nothing wrong. Okay, so huh. like people often focus on when they read that him saying, "But Jesus has done nothing wrong." But what about that first statement? Can you Im- imagine? I mean, you can't imagine being tortured by life, you know. In this case, he's, he's nailed on a cross, this thief, and he's saying, I deserve this. Like, I'm getting yeah, what my yeah. sin, like God is being fair yeah, yeah, and yeah, good with man. me. You yeah. know, if I could get to that point, point in my life where it's like, yeah, you know, my life is, sucks today, but I deserve, you know. But that's like, but he has faith, but he's also knowing himself. So, so that's that combination of faith and truly knowing yourself. But then he said, don't you know that we're getting what our sins deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. But then he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right? My my favorite passage. And that's when Jesus turns to him and says, I tell you the truth. By the end of this day, you'll be with me in paradise. It's like. Yeah. That's tenderness, which we never get. There's not enough talk about in philosophy. And even in Kierkegaard, just tenderness. Now that's. Yeah, you're. That's a. We got some of the same favorite passages there. I, I hadn't thought of that one like that though. That's great. Yeah. 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 Well, we're gonna wrap wrap things up. Um, okay. Yeah. You have a um, busy uh, a week ahead of you uh, with your wife moving and that. And I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry about that. And uh, we'll be praying uh, for you and for her, for sure. So. Any any last thoughts that you have? Um, we're kind of, we're kind of all over the all over the place with this with this conversation. Any final thoughts? Yeah. Any, <laughs> any, uh, I want to be a good boy. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, no but helpful. This is this has been a helpful discussion for me. Good. Some of the points you raised are really uh, uplifting, and uh, you're right about uh, you know maybe uh, being a little bit more patient on. Waiting for answers to how how the form, how prayer how prayers are answered. You know, Kierkegaard's uh, great on that. This issue of uh, prayer is a matter of listening, not mm. speaking. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you you've been helpful, my friend. Good. Well, it's good it's good to talk with you. Um, yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for your patience with the, all this craziness with the te- technology. Yeah. Yeah. I really I was afraid we were going to miss each other. All right. How about we do it again in the future, too? Sounds good, brother. Okay. Yeah, stay in touch, man. Okay. Really good talking we'll with you. Good to meet you. Yeah, and then so read the, 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 the long conversation. Read that. I will. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think it's a, an important part of my life. And um, yeah. And you're, okay. you're, again, you're writing your, your books and for people listening, just great, fantastic, amazing. You're a poet. Uh, at, least, at least you read like, <laughs> at least you read like that. <laughs> Your expressions uh, in that are just uh, really good, really good. So, thanks, my friend. I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. All right, hang in. All right, Sam. Hang in there. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Hang in there like the thief on the cross. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> which one? Yeah, which one? <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. Um, sometimes Jesus hang, just says that. Hang to in us. there like the thief. Because yeah. uh, I'm sorry not, not to keep you, but. Uh, in the 70s and stuff, they always had a picture of hanging there with a cat. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh, yeah. You're saying, hang in there like you're just being across. I'll try to. All I'll right. try to. We'll Thank see. you. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.